Hi, welcome to Decisions Change Everything, where we look for opportunities to make impactful decisions for ourselves every day. I'm your host, Kimberly Mathis, and this is episode 17. Today's episode is all about the foundation of any decisions that you want to implement or changes you want to make. And that is your self-concept. Now, self-concept isn't just about self-esteem. It's an umbrella term used to describe how we perceive ourselves, how we value ourselves, how we support and care for ourselves. It's the voice you talk to yourself with. It strengthens your trust in your abilities and increases your awareness of your thoughts, emotions, and actions you take. Because of this, your self-concept holds a massive influence over every choice you make and every action you take. As we go through this episode today, we're going to explore the different components of your self-concept, from self-sufficiency to self-appreciation, and in the upcoming two episodes, we'll go a little more in-depth about how a weak self-concept shows up, what a strong self-concept looks like, and how to work on any components of your self-concept that might need some love. So let's get to it. My hunch is that you are like most people. And when you think of self-concept, you associate that word with self-esteem, right? I'm doing air quotes. However, self-concept is a multidimensional and complex concept that goes far beyond the surface. So let's break it down. Now, don't get me wrong. Self-esteem is an essential part of your self-concept, but it's just one piece of the puzzle. Your self-concept encompasses the entire internal world that makes up and guides your sense of self. It's a comprehensive view of how you perceive yourself, how you value yourself, and how you care for yourself. You can think of it as like a huge mosaic where each tile represents a different aspect of your self-concept and who you are. Some tiles are going to be really bright. They could symbolize your high self-esteem, while others might be dimmer representing self-doubt. This mosaic includes your ability to make decisions for yourself, how you handle challenges, how you interpret things that happen to you and things people say to you, how you embrace your worth and how you care for your physical, emotional, and mental well-being. Understanding and assessing this mosaic of your self-concept is the foundation upon which you go through your life making decisions implementing changes and following through on what you say you want. When this foundation is strong, these things become a lot easier to navigate. But when it's weak, it's kind of like trying to build your dream house on top of a sinkhole. No matter how good it looks on the outside, it could have major issues at any moment. So as we explore the components of self-concept in this episode, remember that this isn't just about boosting your self-esteem. It's really about nurturing and strengthening each tile of that self-concept mosaic. By the end of this episode, you will know what components of your self-concept really entail. And in upcoming episodes, I will help you get really clear on what components might need a little attention. Now, if you do a Google search on what your self-concept includes, you're going to get all sorts of answers, starting from some of the earliest research and theories about this from psychologists like Carl Jung to more modern day research, um, YouTubers, influencers, like 
pretty much everyone weighs in on like what self-concept is. So I do want to say the things that I am identifying here and the way that I'm talking about them in these different areas, they could be described in other ways by other definitions of self-concept. The reason I am giving them to you now is because these are the things that I see coming up in my clients after working with hundreds of clients, after having this background in psychology and counseling, everything that I've learned, and then looking at it in practice in sessions, these are the things that over and over keep coming up again for places that my clients need to make some improvements. Now, these components, as I describe them, are self-sufficiency, self-value, self-support, self-care, self-trust, self-awareness, and self-appreciation. And we're going to go through each of these, and I want to describe to you what I'm meaning when I say these uh, components and what the definition is. And within each of these components, I will help you look at, like, okay, if this was on a spectrum, like, I have a low satisfaction in this area, a high satisfaction when I look at this area. How would you know where you land? What are some of the clues that one area might be weaker for you than others? How can you strengthen one area if you want to? We're going to go over all of that in upcoming episodes. So the first area, it's self-sufficiency. The definition of this is that self-sufficiency reflects your ability to meet your own needs and handle life's challenges. Now, I will say the official definition of self-sufficiency adds another word on the end of that definition that I have deliberately taken off. It's supposed to say self-sufficiency reflects your ability to meet your own needs and handle life's challenges independently. And here's what I want to say about that. We are relational creatures. We thrive in community and we outright fail to thrive when we are forced to be solitary. So when I think about what it means to be self-sufficient, it has less to do with believing in your ability to do everything on your own and more about your belief that you will be okay. That whether a difficult situation requires things from you that no one else can do for you or the only way through it is to ask for help and support wherever it's needed, Being self-sufficient means that you know and believe you can figure things out and get through to the other side. Like you know, you have this sense of self-reliance that if you need to do something on your own, if you need to ask for help, if you need to seek out other resources, you can do that. Like ultimately, even if you are getting help or seeking resources, you're the one making it happen. You are the one kind of following through on the overall action, like you are the one figuring it out and getting through the difficult thing. You will do it and you will be okay. An example recently is when I was talking with a woman who has been having difficulties in her relationship. She is married. She has, I think, one small child and a newborn and things are not good in her relationship. Things have not been good for a while. She is having those kind of conversations in her own mind about whether or not this is the relationship she wants to stay in. And Because of coaching, because of working through those fears and those worries, she has been strengthening this self-sufficiency. She now looks at the situation 
she doesn't know exactly what she wants to do yet, but she now has this like knowing that she will be fine regardless because she truly believes that. And she doesn't know exactly like if she decides one way or another, she doesn't exactly know what things will look like. She doesn't know how things will work out. She doesn't know all the things she's going to have to go through or do, but she has strengthened her belief and her ability to figure it out and to be okay that she now feels more peace. She feels more calm about figuring out the situation. She has this knowing that she will be all right, regardless of what she chooses. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about self-sufficiency. Next on our list is self-value. Now, the definition of self-value is that it pertains to your perception of your worth and the importance that you place on yourself. We might also associate this self-value with confidence or self-esteem or self-worth. This is the component that allows us to give ourselves validation, to feel deserving of things that we want or need. This is going to be the component of your self-concept that empowers you to say no to mistreatment to hold boundaries with others, to place as much, if not more, importance on your own thoughts and feelings as you do that of others. I had a client recently who was on the dating scene again after having gone through the end of a long-term relationship. And she has spent much of her life, thanks to codependent behavior she watched growing up and being raised in a conservative purity culture-infused religious community, She spent much of her life, as she said, waiting for someone, a partner, to choose her. So that was like the best thing that could happen. The choosing, being chosen by someone else is what would give her self-value. Does this resonate with anyone? It sure does for me. This led to her being more focused on what someone else thought of her or felt about her instead of what she thought of them or felt about them. As she said, it like wasn't even part of the equation. The equation never considered how she felt about them or if they really ticked all her boxes. She was more concerned with whether or not she was going to be chosen by them and would fit their boxes. And she would often make herself into a version of herself that wasn't really her in order to do that. Since we have worked to strengthen her self-value, she now sees herself as the chooser. So she's going through the process of dating and looking for a partner with more emphasis on what she wants, how she wants to feel, and whether or not the person in front of her is able to meet those needs. It's been a complete turnaround. Some other things that I think of when I think about self-value are like, my experiences, my failures do not affect my self-value. My decisions in the past do not affect my self-value. If you have a strong belief in your self-value, it's almost like a constant that's there. It goes from being something that fluctuates depending on experiences or outcomes or successes, achievements, um, opinions of others. It goes from being something that depends on those things to just being something that is a given, that is standalone, that doesn't fluctuate at all. Component number three is self-support. Self-support involves your ability to provide emotional and psychological support to yourself during challenging times. 
the way that I think about self-support and the way that I talk about this with my clients often involves us looking at things like self-compassion, self-love, self-kindness. It's going to encompass how you talk to yourself when things are hard, when something goes wrong, when you make a mistake, when you fail. Perhaps one of the toughest for us people pleasers, toughest situations to find ourselves in is how we talk to ourselves when someone else is upset with us. It's allowing ourselves to be feeling emotional human beings without judgment for whatever emotions we happen to be experiencing. It's catching yourself when your brain wants to spiral into a black hole of criticism and reprimand towards yourself and learning how to be gentler and kinder with yourself about what you're going through. As much as we love for others to be able to treat us this way and give us the support when things are hard, strong self-support is being able to give this to yourself regardless. Number four is that buzzword of self-care. Self-care relates to your commitment, your ability to nurture your physical, emotional, and mental well-being. So within self-care, right, there's a lot of things. This is probably something you're a little more familiar with. Now, in order to be strong in this area of self-care, you first have to be able to understand and notice, be aware of what your physical, emotional, and mental needs are. If you are so detached from your body, from your mind, that from your feelings, that you can't name them, you don't really know when you are on your way to burning out or exhaustion or hitting your capacity because you are like so outside of yourself, it's going to be really hard to practice good self-care. I mean, put simply, self-care is good self-care, is being able to give yourself what you need when you need it. And I would argue it's also prioritizing some of the things that are essential for your self-care that allow you to keep going without getting into burnout, without going past your capacity. So it might be like movement is essential for you. Maybe it has to do with your sleep, with what you eat, with what you listen to and surround yourself with, right? It might be that you notice yourself getting tired at 2 p.m. And instead of telling yourself you just have to push through because you're supposed to sit at your desk until five, you allow yourself to go out and take a 10 minute nap because your eyes need to rest. Right? This can look like really big things. It could be getting a therapist. It could be hiring a coach. And it can look like those small things like I need more water. I need to eat something rather than telling myself to keep waiting. At the most basic level, having a strong sense of self-care means that you understand your mental, emotional, physical body. If it's not doing well, if it's not being care of, nothing else is going to go well right? It's a commitment to taking care of the vessel you are in so that you can go after goals and go through difficult situations and make big decisions and create changes. Like you will have the capacity to do all of that because you are taking care of these essential needs. Okay. Not going to lie. Number five is one of my faves. It is self-trust. Self-trust 
is your confidence and your judgment and decision-making abilities. Now, I want to be really, really, really clear here. This is one of my favorite things to talk about, okay? I'm going to try not to get too excited. But self-trust, having confidence in your judgment and decision-making abilities doesn't mean you believe that you always make the quote-unquote right or best choice, right? It doesn't mean that you somehow never get anything wrong, it doesn't mean that everything goes swimmingly for every single decision that you make, that you always get the outcome you want. No, no, no. Y'all, you are confused. Okay, self-trust just means that you are in tune with your intuition, right? You can check in with yourself to be like, does this feel okay? Do, do I want that? Is this a hell no? Is this a hell yes? It means that you can look at your reasons for the decisions you make. Why do I have so much trouble saying that word? And it's in the title of my podcast, Lord. It means that you can look at your reasons for making the decisions that you do. It means that you trust yourself to choose something, move forward with it and pivot. If you need to, you trust yourself to make a new decision when you have more information or a situation calls for a change. Right? It just means, in a sense, that self-trust is I can navigate this, Right, that I am going to be fine, that I can make any decision or choice the best one for me. I can go about supporting myself, supporting that decision in a way that makes it the best one. I also love the way that Glennon Doyle, all hail Saint Glennon Doyle, Glennon Doyle talks about this. I think it's in her book, Untamed, for the love of God, y'all. If y'all have not gone and read any books by Glennon Doyle, where have you been? What are you doing? Go to the store now. Get, Get on Amazon right now and order Untamed. You will not regret it. Okay, she talks about when she had low self trust, what this looks like sometimes is that she said she was the best, like, decision advice, like, polling person there ever was. Basically, when she needed to make a decision about something, if she needed to, you know, decide what she was going to do in any certain situation, she would ask everyone else. It was like she was standing on the side on a street corner, right on the side of the road with her little clipboard and notepad asking everyone in this situation, what would you do? Hey, here's what I have going on. I want to know what do you think I should do? What would you do in this situation? What's your advice? It's constantly going outside of yourself. And this is honestly like never the solution. It might be helpful. You can like narrow some things down. But for any decision you're going to make, I swear if you went across the world and asked people who have been in the same situation what they did, you're going to get answers across the board. And all of those have worked out in some way for all those people. There's never just one way, one way to do something, one correct answer. So Glennon says when she did not trust herself, like she was constantly asking everybody else instead of going to herself first. Okay. If you have high self-trust, you're going to yourself first to say, well, what do I want here? What do I think about this? What are my reasons? What do I need more information about? And then going out, and talking to other people. It's being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
It's being intentional about who you're going to when you do go outside of yourself because you've already checked in with yourself first. Okay, so self-trust, confidence in your judgment and decision-making abilities. That does not necessarily mean I believe I always have everything go swimmingly and I never make a wrong decision. We just make decisions, you guys. We just make decisions. Sometimes they work out the way that we want them to and sometimes they don't. That's all there is to it. Number six, self-awareness. Okay, self-awareness refers to your understanding of your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. If you are really disconnected from what you are thinking, what you are feeling, why you are doing certain things, right? It's more likely that when you look at your overall self-concept, it's going to be based on things that are outside of you that are not really connected to reality, your brain, when you're not aware of what it's doing, it's constantly making up narratives and stories to explain why you are feeling a certain way, why you are doing certain things. And it tends to find blame rather than ownership. Okay. So it is going to say, well, we're doing X, Y, or Z. We're feeling this way because they made us. The situation happened and it made us feel this way. When you improve your self-awareness, when you are more attuned to your thoughts and emotions, it helps you understand and navigate your life more effectively. It helps you understand why you have been doing things the way you've been doing. It helps you see other possibilities. When you develop your self-awareness, your understanding of your thoughts, of what's happening in your body, right? Then you get to see, oh, that's why I've been doing it. And if that's not entirely true, right? Whatever reasons my brain is giving me, that's not entirely true. Then there's a whole new world of possibilities available to me. I could choose something else. The more self-aware we are, the more options we have. The more self-aware we are, the more possibilities open up to us because we don't see things as black or white, right? There's a whole bunch of gray. We don't just find ourselves in a situation or having a thought or experiencing a really strong, maybe painful emotion. We don't find ourselves experiencing that and just reacting to it. The more self-aware we are, the more intentional we can be, the more distance we can create between ourselves and a thought or a feeling or an emotion. It just gives us so much more ownership over how we go through a situation rather than constantly reacting to situations and internal experiences with these habitual, unquestioned, unconscious patterns. And last but not least... Our final component is self-appreciation. Self-appreciation is about recognizing and celebrating your achievements and the qualities that make you you. So this might be being able to have gratitude for the way that you have navigated things or the effort that you have given, even if you did not get the outcome you wanted. It is being able to track and acknowledge the ways in which you are growing, the things that you did a little bit differently or a little bit better than you did the day before. It's being able to recognize your effort 
at getting better at something, at doing something differently, rather than making it a very binary, black or white, I either did it or I didn't, right? If we are able to appreciate ourselves, if we're able to look at the whole picture, we can notice all these small things that add up to big change over time, rather than just qualifying it as either we did it or we did not. It is being able to value your entire journey rather than just the endpoint, just the destination, just whether or not I checked the box. Do you have any idea how much better it is for your brain when it comes to motivation and continuing with a difficult task when you are recognizing and celebrating these small achievements along the way? the things that you're doing better than you did before, when you're only telling yourself, when you're never even looking at it and you're just saying, well, I'm not there today. I still didn't do it today. I didn't do it perfectly today. You're most often giving your brain an easy way out. And by that, I mean, it's so much easier to be like, well, screw it. I'm just not good at this rather than, huh? Like I still want to improve here and here and here, but I can recognize that I'm doing this one thing so much easier than I used to. It's become such a normal part of my day or my reactions or my process that I don't even recognize, like I I don't even pay attention to it anymore. How awesome is that? I want you to be able to recognize and celebrate your achievements, the things about yourself that are changing, that are growing, that are evolving, because it helps you to see that change is possible and that you could keep going, right? You're going to get to where you want to be because you can see where you have come. You can see that if you keep going down this path, if you keep following this process, if you keep trying, you're going to get there. And that is so much more motivating than well, I'm not there yet. Okay, that's it for like our components. We've been over them all. I'm so curious about your thoughts. I would love to know what areas stand out to you. Just what discussing all of these has brought up for you. If you are noticing anything, if you're saying like, ugh, I really wish this particular component was stronger, was beefier, let's say. Um, I would love to know those things. So be sure and reach out and let me know your thoughts. In the upcoming episodes, what we're going to do next is we're going to break down, if we were to assess these for you, each of these areas, what would kind of be one end of the spectrum versus the other? So if I was to ask you for each one of these areas, do you have a low satisfaction rate with like how this is showing up in your life? Or are you highly satisfied What does it look like if you have a low satisfaction rating? What does it look like if you have a high satisfaction rating? And then in a third episode, I'm going to give you ways to strengthen each one of these areas. If you find one that you're like, oof, like I need to do some work there. I really don't like how I am scoring myself here. And I would like to show this area a little love. I'm going to give you some ways to do that. So that is it for today's episode. We did another one. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please do me a fave and subscribe or follow and leave a review just like you do for all your other favorite podcasts. Wink, wink. See what I did there? And as always, 
keep looking for ways to make your own decisions about what you think, what you feel, and what you do. If you want to work with me one-on-one, I have got room for clients right now. All you got to do is schedule a free curiosity and connection call. This is where we connect and we get really curious about what you're wanting and whether or not coaching and working with me is the right next step for you. You can schedule one of these calls if you just go to my website, www.kimberlymathis.com. And I cannot wait to hear from you. Have a great weekend.